If you have children or grandchildren, if you're an aunt or an uncle, or if you just have friends raising children today, the next few minutes may change your life. Here at America Speaks, we receive such an amazing emotional response to our special session with moms, acknowledging and often condemning the negative impact of social media on their children. It was so powerful that we decided to expand the conversation to dads as well and expand the topic to all the challenges of raising children in today's difficult environment. So for the next 35 minutes, and then again next week, we're featuring moms and dads just like you, telling their stories and begging the people in charge to listen up, pay attention, and partner with parents as they seek to do the toughest job in the world, raising good children. I'm Dr. Frank Luntz, and you're listening to America Speaks right here on Straight Arrow News. Let's get right to the conversation. Over the last couple of weeks, we did a session just with moms about the challenges of social media and AI. And the response was overwhelmingly positive. But I was asked, please include dads as well. So we're going to expand the issue to all areas of parenting. And EJ, let's start with you. What is your single greatest challenge as a dad? making sure that my daughter knows what we believe as a family and why. Tammy, as a mom, what's your greatest challenge? Uh, safety and bullying uh, that's occurring in the schools that they're at and making sure they feel secure. Maria, what's your greatest challenge as a mom? Maybe is trying to keep my, my son home and entertained instead of the streets. They hate to go to school, but they're real quick to go back to the basketball court behind at the school and play for hours. It's just safety reasons in my neighborhood. Laura, what's your greatest challenge as a mom? Just making, my sh making sure my children stay innocent as long as possible, trying to shield them from any corruption, whether it be educational <laughs> or otherwise. Jason, your greatest challenge as a dad. Uh, I'd say it's the emotional and physical safety of my children. By physical, uh, I feel like the schools are more focused on protecting themselves first and our kids second. And I guess emotional is sort of to give them a short period of innocence before they get bombarded by you know, the outside world coming in through social media and through their peers. Becky, greatest challenges of mom. Teaching them um, accountability and responsibility um, and just combating the competing voices out there that are um, going against our family values. Quentin, greatest challenges as a dad? Um, there are a couple. In terms of social media, I would say monitoring what my children see. Um, in terms of school, um, bullying and um, distress. This testing culture where everything is built is built around a test instead of preparing them as whole as people um, to enter the world. Okay, let's do it by a show of hands. How many of you are truly afraid for the health and safety of your children on a daily basis? Raise your hands. That's a lot of you. So I want to I want to understand why. Tammy, I'm going to start with you, then Maria, then Laura. What are you afraid of at this point in American life about something violent happening to your child? 
Um, I think because the media like really shows it a lot and they're, they're going to see it somewhere. So it's just the fear factor to instill in that, um, you know, that there's safety protocols and it's just a fear factor. I need to get them through. Maria, is it fear or is it real, a real threat of violence? Well, it, it is a real threat every day, but they experience the fear. So I try to um, address it at home too, and not just leave it up to the schools to do. Maria. Well, it's experience of an incident that happened behind my building having to do with the kids at school. And uh, what happened? Uh, it was all over a girl, but uh, some kid came running behind him on one of the bikes, the e-bikes with a broom. And he caught him off guard and he got him in his neck and his face. And then he was hitting, beating my child with that. And, you know, kids were around and nobody would stop it. I mean, it was just crazy. And wow. how the school dealt with it, they didn't exactly deal with it. Has anyone else in this conversation had a child that was the victim of violence? Well, they were they were not the victim, but they were next to the person that was. So I addressed with the school superintendent and I um what it was is she has a best friend that is of you know, a different color and someone made a very bad remark about what they grew up as a cotton picker. And that really affected my daughter and the school did nothing. They did absolutely nothing about it. Our parents come from more than a dozen states and from every occupation in every region of the country. Some are financially comfortable, others financially challenged. But the greatest challenges you're about to hear about are impacting children and parents everywhere. And some of those challenges are getting worse every day. Let's listen in. What is your greatest challenge in, in raising your child? Can we, can you think about the conversations that you have with your spouse or your significant other or your friends about the things that you need to address in regards to your children, but you have a, just a very difficult time. Can you share with me those challenges? And it can be anybody here. Uh, Jason, go ahead. And then Stephen, and then Tammy. And I want everyone to come in. Jason, go ahead. Yeah, our, I guess one of our biggest concerns is it seems like uh, a lot of sexualization in children's entertainment, even in like our daughters read voraciously, but even in some of the comic books and graphic novels. They they want to get kids moved along that path of adulthood sooner. Uh, a lot of skimpy clothing, probably to market to young girls, especially I have two girls and a boy. And so we're just noticing that it's just, just like a, is, the U.S. is considered prudish by the countries, but we have a heavy level of sexualization in our entertainment and marketing, even towards kids. We're a military family and our public schools are, you know, about 40% of the kids, you know, in my son's elementary school are from military families. So I think the culture is a little bit different than it is in most places. You know, we just, I don't want to say we raise our kids differently, but. How is I mean, the culture different? How is the culture different? Please tell us. So I, we don't have, we haven't experienced any issues with bullying, um, violence. You know, most fathers or mothers <laughs> or both parents, you know, I'm former military. My husband's currently on active duty. 
you, I don't want to say we raise our kids different, but there is just maybe a different standard of expectations and discipline that a lot of the things, you know, that maybe fly in some places don't fly in the area that we're in. Eric, I see you nodding your head so yes. strongly that I think it's about to fall off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our family is very traditional. My wife's from Columbia. Um, they had a different upbringing uh, there and here, and it's very tough for them. And so coming from a traditional family ourselves, for her and then, you know, for my family, try to really engage our kids. Like we feel it's important, like stay away from a lot of social media devices and a lot of like computers and such. And just like try to explain when you talk to one of the, when you talk to someone, you want to look them in the eye. You want to make sure that um, you're telling them the truth uh, that you're, when you're talking to people that you're accountable for what you say and do, if you say you got to do something, go ahead and fulfill it. And if you can't let them know why you can't, I think a lot of what's going on is, parents aren't really engaging their kids to the way they probably should sometimes. And I think it's very easy. And I see this all the time. We're out at dinner where our kids don't have the cell phones and devices. We're, we're talking with the kids. They're doing the coloring. I'm working with the coloring on the, you know, on the at Olive Garden or different places. And you look over the next table next wow. and the parents are on their phone and the kids are on their phone and no one's talking. Like no one's figuring out like what they want for dinner. No one's talking to the other uh, child. How was your day today? You know, at school, you know, you know, do you have any challenges? What happened to you? Like, if you're not interested in what's going on in someone's life, it's like that disconnect develops. What makes this session so powerful is I'm going to encourage you to explain not just how you think, but how you feel. And to provide some context to the challenges that we read about and hear about every day, but don't always understand. So with that in mind, Brittany, what is the greatest challenge you have as a mom in today's society? I, I believe my greatest challenge is just the, with social media, um, the whole dynamic of the narrative that that's being painted. Um, there's a certain narrative with like sexual identity that is being placed on through the TV, through cartoons, through <laughs> In the school system, um, that's that's one of my biggest challenges. And, you know, I, I, I believe that there should always be a, a choice um, whether or not if, if the parent wants to let their children, you know, depend on, to say if, you know, if, if to explain, you know, male and female and all of that scenario and that perspective. but. Um, that's definitely a big challenge because it's just being pushed. It's being pushed in the media. It's being pushed in the news. It's being pushed in the culture of the world of society, period. How do you deal with uh, these competing cultural values that are really sifting down to such a younger, uh, young age than they, they used to? It isn't like seventh and eighth graders having, you know, initial debates. Now it's just first and second graders talking about uh, politics and and trans and, and gay rights and everything else. And that's that's really hard to try and just explain what's even going on to first and second graders. Uh, Jason, you had your hand up. Yeah, in terms of the values, I would say partly in defense of teachers and one of the things that affects parents is that our, our popular institutions to a certain degree are attacking the traditional family. And I will go with entertainment. 
pick a comedy show since, you know, the Cosby show, the parents, especially the fathers, are made to look like doofuses. And that goes from Disney to sitcoms. Everybody loves Raymond. Oh, he provided for his family, but he can't open a refrigerator door. <laughs> you know, yes. and so everything that they see as consumed as entertainment makes the parents look like we're the dumbest people in the world. Our children are the demographic that every business wants to capture. And they're trying to get them earlier and earlier. They're trying to get their data from social media and everything. And my wife and I haven't completely cut them off, but mostly we don't have TV anymore. We get our kids to read. Uh, all right, they all have computers, but we control their access. And we make them go out and do things. Even with their friends, we'll drive them over to their friends, hoping they can develop some good personal habits that will feed into their ethical values, like knowing how to handle conflict. Well, you can't take them to stores anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. Okay, explain that. You can't take them to stores anymore? I mean, just look, I mean, it's been like this for a few years, but just like going to Kohl's and to Target and, you know, having to explain the minute you walk in, the front and center, the, you know, transgenderism, you know, shirts and gear and, and, and pride and this and that and all these different aspects of we just can't go in and shop without having to answer questions. And I mean, I'm fine answering questions. And we went to the point where, you know, we're a conservative family. This is what we believe and other people believe different things. But, you know, why do we have to even be put in that position now with our kids every time we go out in public to have to maybe explain something that they really don't even need to be asking about at the age? I think it's not corporations' jobs to tell me what my values are. Their job is to sell beer. Their job is, is to be a retailer. It's not their job to indoctrinate us. And somehow corporations feel that that's their right right now. And I think that's why there's so much pushback. Yeah. I would say I've seen some of those messages in the public library. And as a result, even going to the library, which is an incredibly good thing, my wife sort of keeps my six-year-old back. I, I live in a predominantly African-American uh, large county. And so they have like, when you go in, it's sort of like candy in the candy aisle. They're going to, they have shelves before you get to the main library where they can promote uh, the books that, you know, generate a lot of questions, we'll say. Uh, some about race, gender, and all kinds of issues that seem less about learning and more about putting forth a, an ideological, ideological front. Um, my wife is from a, a communist country, so she has particularly sharp reactions to some of these things. Um, but I, even I see it in the library in terms of they put displays to try to promote certain ideas to the forefront, not just because they're new books. But it's not, I don't think it's necessarily promoting, right? It's questions are good, and we should be encouraging questions. And we should be, um, and it's got to be age appropriate, right? You need five-year-olds right. to be five-year-olds, as somebody else said, mm -hmm. for sure. But um, you want to encourage kids of, of all ages to have questions. And then as parents, I think our challenge is, our biggest challenge, at least I think it's my biggest challenge, is finding age-appropriate responses to those questions. How do you put things in context? And so, yeah. like, if somebody mentioned Target, you know, yeah, sure. There's a there's a, a pride display up front. You can just say, hey, they like rainbows. And that's all a five year old needs to hear because they're going to flit on to the next question. They're not going to ask you detailed follow ups there. But if you've got a 10 year old or a 12 year old and you want to give a more detailed response because they're emotionally mature for it, then give that detailed response and encourage mm -hmm. the child to, to ask the questions. But that's not 
target indoctrinating anybody. Uh, Tanya, your question about selling merchandise, and that's what corporations should do. They found an underserved market, and if they think they can hawk more T-shirts by putting it uh, a rainbow display at the front of the store, they're Target's just trying to make a buck. And Bud Light was just trying to make a buck by uh, targeting an underserved market uh, for their beer with that one spokesperson. But the idea is that it should be on us, on parents, I think, to give age-appropriate response to those kids' questions and redirect them to the values that, that we hold, whether it's conservative liberal values. But you can do that at, at an age-appropriate age. I think that's the challenge for parents. The moms and dads in this conversation have been talking about the challenges, the cultural challenges. Wesley, is it easier or harder to be a dad now than it was when you were growing up? Uh, definitely harder now. Uh, there's just so much uh, input coming into the kids that are maybe not input, but uh, there's just so much they have to deal with coming from one side, from the other side. You got the social media, you have, uh, you know, friends, you have teachers, the indoctrination of the schools, you have the advertisement at Target. It's just overwhelming for them. And then we as parents have to come in and straighten it out for them. EJ, tougher or harder as a father now than it was for your dad raising you? Uh, I would have to say it's tougher. I would have to say it's tougher simply because the issues have not changed. The issues have always been there. What has changed is the amount and the volume that these issues are given to our, to, to my child. I can't, I should be able to go into a store and buy a quart of oil from a shelf at Target without having to worry about whether or not I'm going to have a six-year-old asking me questions about why a rainbow is there. That's not, it's, it, 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 it is the volume. And I, I think it's the volume of the bombardment. And I think it's also the fact that parents, uh, uh, parents, feel uh, either afraid or tired or <coughs> worn out dealing with this. Some, maybe some, but I think that that's the main thing. Quentin, is it easier or harder on you to raise your child than it was for the, your parent to raise you? Uh, excuse me. I, I think it's, it, it's immensely harder and more immensely difficult uh, to be not just a dad, but just a parent, period, these days. Um, I'm not going to say so much about um, that is a bombardment or indoctrination. I just think there's so many ways that kids can get answers, having, you know, having a device, uh, being able to access the internet, you know, all those different things. And it's just so, it's so many ways to get information, but is that information factual is it truthful or is it just someone sitting in their sitting in their garage saying oh this is what i believe so i want everyone to believe it um in that sense it's much much more diff it, it is much much more difficult now to um you know in my as as a as a father um but just being a parent general in general um it is much much harder these days I want to ask some moms here. Becky, I'm going to start with you, then then uh, Charita, and then Marie. 
easier or harder to be a mom today than it was for your mom? It, definitely harder. Um, my mom was a single parent, so she had it hard. And I, my husband and I have been married for 29 years. But we, um, it's definitely harder because um, two things. Um, there are the competing voices. Um, EJ talked about it being the volume. Um, you get more information at a faster pace. You're getting it at an earlier age before you even know how to process it. Um, but I also think there's been a structural breakdown of the family over the last 40 years that's contributed to it as well. You're seeing more and more parents working out of the home. They're working two and three jobs. They're not as available to their children. They are giving them screen time. They are giving them more daycare, more after-school clubs, more activities. So they are um, not spending as much quality time with them. Sharita, uh, tougher or easier? I um, agree with many of the other parents that it's much tougher. Um, it's just so much that children are exposed to. And, you know, as they get older, it gets much, much worse. And they have stuff that I sometimes find out things that my daughter knows. And I'm like, where did you find that? Or, oh, in school. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so it's it's just a tremendous amount of things that children, teenagers are dealing with. So much exposure to things that, you know, are certainly at times to me, and I think others will agree, not even age appropriate, that they even would know or hear about this particular subject. So I, I just agree that it's much, much harder today. A lot has changed since our parents were themselves kids, or has it? One of the most interesting moments in this session was when parents talked about their own childhoods and how they were raised as kids and how that's impacted them now that they're parents today. Let's listen. How are you parenting differently than your parents did for you? And I got to ask, because my parents, I should not even say this because this will go public, <laughs> but occasionally my parents used to hit me. Once my mom went to hit me and I grabbed her arm, that was the last time she ever did. And my dad never wanted to because he wanted me to hang out with him. He did not want to want to discipline me. Oh. Um, who still used occasionally you might hit your child to discipline them? Raise your hands if you did. One, I, two, quite a while back, but yeah. Five. Quite a while back. Okay. <laughs> So tell me about that, because that's always been a conversation. Is that the right thing or wrong thing to do? And Stephen, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, for I, I, my kids are older now, you know, 17, uh, 11 and 12. So I haven't had to do it for a while. And when I did do it, it was strictly just my hand and only on the bottom. I never used weapons. I never hit them anywhere else. So it was enough to show, hey, I love you, but you're going to feel a little sting and some discipline. So I was very controlled, much more controlled than what I got. And what my brother got, you know, for sure. But I, I think now my son's as tall as me. And so I wrestle with him, I play with him, and I have other ways to discipline him that, that are effective, you know. And I also was very careful with my daughter because I didn't, I wanted really, I was really worried about hurting my baby girl, you know. And being, you know, a single parent, but also co-parenting with their mother, that's another dimension my parents didn't have to deal with, which can be also be challenged because you're dealing with different households and different opinions on things and lack, lack of communication. My father was 6'2", 325 from South Philadelphia. I got the look. Uh, I never had to worry about much. Uh, when that look came down, I knew exactly where I stood. But now I don't do that. I don't have the look. Uh, at least I don't think I do. Uh, 
but, or at least I, let me say, I would, I like to try to think that I don't. Um, but when I deal with what I, it's the volume of information and it's having to rely on technology to be able to know where she is and things like that. But let me go back to a previous question that you asked, Frank, and is it harder or easier? And I, I got a chance to think about it as I was listening to everybody's responses. How do you, the question that I think makes it so hard for parents today is how do you tell a child the truth in a culture that can't even define what truth actually is? Mm. How do you tell a child uh, the truth when the culture asks, what is truth, but constantly, re constantly rejects the rejoinder and replaces truth with emotion? There in lies the problem. That is the best. I have a list of questions. There will be no question better than that one. The floor is yours, moms and dads. What's your answer to that question, any of you? This, well, uh, I will jump in and just say that I, I give my kids truth and I tell them where our source of truth comes from. And I will say my kids are older. They're, I have four kids between the ages of 17 and 23. And so I've been doing this for a little while, but um, the biggest thing, it's one of the challenges is not just teaching them our values and that truth, but teaching them how to stand there on their own with that truth, because the hardest thing sometimes for them is going to be able to stand up and speak that truth to people who don't want to hear it, who are hostile to it, who are going to persecute them for it. And so um, we don't back away from telling truth. And we will, and we acknowledge that a lot of people don't hold to that truth. But um, this is why we do. And this is that we try to give them the tools and the confidence and the boldness to be able to do that. So that's what I, I think each family has their own truth. And many times truth is more about perspective. And again, it goes back to your upbringing. I'm from another country. So my truth is different than those that are raised here. You know, I, I have walked a different path in life. My education has opened the doors for truth that some people, you know, maybe don't agree with. So truth to me is relative. It goes back to that, those things that you hold dear to your to your own experience, your own life, the values of your family and the identity of every family. On a personal note, those of you who have followed my career know that in recent years, I've devoted myself to the passionate pursuit of the truth. So I wanted to know exactly how parents today are teaching the truth to their children. And what I learned surprised me a lot. Let's listen in. I think you teach our uh, kids the difference between a fact and an opinion. You know, what, what is the ob objective truth, not just what someone identifies as or how they feel. And obviously you have a truth based on one's faith, but you also have just what is a fact? What's an objective fact? The, the sky is blue or a man has this part, a woman has that part, those sort of things. But we are in a society where we're so hypersensitive to not offending because once you offend, then you could be canceled. You, you have a mob coming after you either virtually or figuratively. And um, that's a problem. You know, because now everyone, because of social media and a, and a smartphone, everyone has a platform to the world to have their opinion. So I think we need to learn to respect one another's opinion, but also recognize what a truth is. Because some people, I think, use their feelings to get out of accountability. And even adults do this, you know, mm -hmm. and I think we just have that facts over feelings. 
through Brittany and then Tanya and then Laura. I want to focus just on this truth question because I, not only do I think it is so powerful, but as a pollster, as a researcher, this is not, this is something I believe in on a personal level, but I don't know, and I know how to do it on a professional level, but I don't know how to teach it and I don't know how to raise children to be devoted to it. I need your advice, Brittany, Tanya, and then Laura. Well, it, it kind of goes off a little bit, just piggybacking off of what, what Stephen said, um, the difference between um, what's fact and what's um, based upon making decisions based upon emotions or feelings. But I do think that it starts with us first. You know, we are the first people, the first influence that our kids see. So that's based upon our healing. And, you know, have we taken those steps exactly to, to be able to be able to influence or be able to show what our kids need to see from us? We should be the first influence first. And a lot of the, someone said it, I'm not sure who it was, but the structuring um, of the, over the last 40 years um, with just the parent, just the mom and the dad is, has changed. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I could piggyback on that real quick. That's what I was going to say. Back, you know, when my kids were younger, you would send them to their room. They would think about it, timeouts, whatever. Now that they're teenagers, you could still ground them and send them to their room. But then you also got to have them come out and talk about the feelings and not just how they're feeling, but how the other person who was affected by whatever's going on feels too. If you just to send your kid to the room and ground them, these days are way different because they're just going to rebel and they're not getting out um, how they're feeling. So it's just like, oh, I'm not going to address it. That's how I feel. Uh, Charita, I'm going to jump to you only because you're nodding your head to that. How do you handle the truth in today's more complex environment? Yes, I, I was shaking my head with what Tammy said because Having a 16-year-old, you can't just say go in your room anymore. You have to really discuss everything that you uh, come in contact with or what my child come in contact with. So because there's so many things and, and I don't want her to rebel. I don't want her to not talk to me. So I try to say, okay, let's talk about it now. Let's. I want you to explain what you're feeling, what you're thinking. I'm going to ask you by show of hands, the grade, the average parent, not the people on the Zoom, not yourself. I want you to give the average parent a grade for how effective they are in parenting their children. You know them. A is outstanding. B is very good. C is average. D is not failing, but not great. And F is failing. Who would give the average parent an A? Raise your hands. Not one of you, that's fascinating to me. Who would give them a B? One, two, three, four of you. Who would give them a C? One, two, three, four, five, six. Who give them a seven? Who give them a D? One, two, three, and who give them an F? 
So I'm going to ask the three D's here, EJ, Stephen, and Wesley. Why are you so harsh on other parents? Because I'm harsh on myself in that regard. Explain. Because I'm harsh on myself in that regard. You, going back to what I was what I was stated before, uh, look, truth by its definition is exclusivistic. It excludes what is false. And that is about as that is about as uh, a hard a concept as you want to run up against in postmodern culture. And I think that parents, including myself, and I, and you know, with all the education that I have, uh, I still struggle, and I still stay up at three, four, five o'clock in the morning sometimes, wondering, am I doing the right thing, and trying to inculcate. Uh, truth and love in my child. And uh, even when I don't have all the right answers, even when I know that the answers that I'm giving are correct, but they're awful difficult for little ears to hear. And that does still keep me up at night. And I know there are a lot of parents who are awake right now in America, who are, whether it's in Alabama or whether it's in Oregon, it doesn't matter. It, there are a lot of parents who are going, my father-in-law is a fish farmer in South Alabama. Uh, I have people, I have a family who's uh, in Buck, Lower Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We're both, we're all doing the same thing. We stay up at night wondering and making sure that we're trying to give the best answer to our children as we possibly can. I'm the Stephen or Wesley. You give parents a D. Why so harsh? Well, I would say, first of all, sometimes I'll even give myself a D on days where I feel like I'm failing. But when I say a D, I'm looking at society in its totality, and I'm looking at all parents as an aggregate. Because let's face it, some parents aren't there at all. They deserve an F. Some parents abuse their children. Some parents do very horrible things. And if you want to put that in the aggregate of those who are A's and B's, you average out to a D. I mean, just look at society. Look at what kids are doing. There are a lot of derelict parents, a lot of deadbeat fathers aren't involved, some of which aren't involved not because they don't want to be because of other circumstances outside their control, but even ones who can be there don't want to be there. So you, the family has broken down, and I think someone else mentioned that, to a degree where there's no more shame. And I'm not saying shame to judge someone, to condemn, but just shame as in, hey, you're not doing something, you're doing something that's hurting your family and society knock it off and get it right. But because we don't follow any objective truth anymore and it's feelings over facts, no one's judged. Unless, of course, your political beliefs are different, then you're judged to kingdom come. But outside of that, there's no judging of anything. A couple months ago, hundreds of teenagers went to and tore up things in Chicago and the now mayor, then Mayor Lick said, don't demonize the kids. I grew up poor. My friends were poor. We didn't tear up anything. And my dad wasn't really involved, but I knew I would have hell to pay for my mom or my neighbor or some other male figure in my family or just a neighbor. There's no consequence. And I think it starts with the parents. When you weren't that negative about parents and you, I'm just curious I, why. I don't, I, I don't think, when I'm not negative, um, I can, as a teacher, I can definitely be harder, <laughs> harder on myself. I think that parents... Yeah, we know there are some. We know there are some parents who, honestly, did not deserve to be parents. Should not be parents. That's a conversation for a whole another day. But I do believe that um, we are trying 
as best as we could, as best as we know how, and as best as is what we have to do what's best for our kids. Um, can we be better? Yes. That's why. That's why I didn't give any. That's why I didn't give the the you know the general rating of an A. There's much more that we need to do. There's much more that we can do. Right now, there are millions of moms and dads about to become a parent for the first time. I'm gonna give you two sentences to give them advice on how to be the best parent they possibly can be. Based on your experiences, based on your life, two sentences for those parents who are watching this right now, about to have a child for the very first time. Carla, I'm gonna start with you. Um. I would just say to spend time getting getting some resources to for parenting. I think that many of us take parenting as a natural thing, but there's a lot behind it. And I have found it very helpful to get parenting education and resources, reading, and just get some some good uh, resources that help me face difficult times. Britain, Brittany, two sentences for new parents. I would say um, making sure that you are going to therapy and you're seeking wise counsel. Yeah. I would say have fun, enjoy the ride, and set boundaries early. Uh, Charita. Um, I would say listen to your children very carefully, hear them. And don't react fast. <laughs> Patrick. Make sure your kids know that you love them and always encourage them to come to you with questions. Eric. Love and communication and doing what you have to do as opposed to what you want to do. You have to be anchored in something greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it's got to transcend you. And also you've got to invest the time in your family, in boundaries, in communication, all of those things that are important. You've got to invest the time. Jason. Uh, be humble and patient because you're going to get a whole lot of conflicting advice and you don't know everything. And the second thing I would say is have relationships with your children individually because that's what really builds bonds and communication. Wesley. Make sure your child knows that you love them and take the time to enjoy them when they're young because they grow up so fast. Being a good parent and raising good children really is the toughest job in the world, but it's also the most important. Let's hope the people in charge are listening, learning, and ready to lead. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Next week, we'll have part two of this fascinating conversation, and this time we'll be focused exclusively on the education challenge. I've already heard some of it, and it frightens me to say this, but the kids aren't all right. Until then, I'm Dr. Frank Luntz. This is Straight Arrow News. Thank you for listening.